0: Welcome my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, May 18th. That means it's Destination Health Day. The phone lines are open. Calls are already starting to come in, so you want to jump in quickly. We've got a big day lined up today. Here's the phone number if you want to join us. Go ahead and start dialing right now. We'll get to those calls here in a little bit. 855 855- is the number to join us. We've got uh, a destination health free-for-all here for the first hour or so. I'll continue taking your calls as long as we have them. And then after that, we'll roll right on into After Hours with Kevin and Lauren. Uh, Our topic today, last week we kind of did a primer an overview of the whole digestive process from north to south this week we're going to continue on that theme and talk about the things that can go wrong at each step and how we fix those the good news is as long as you have all of your body parts when it comes to digestion i I don't think there's anything we haven't been able to fix um If you've got a really bad case of dysbiosis, sometimes that one can be difficult, but we know how it just takes more time sometimes. So we do see a lot of people, almost everybody with some sort of digestive dysfunction, but we can fix them all. So we'll talk about that today. And if you have any questions about that, you'll be able to jump in and join us. We'll also do some live Q&A later today on com. So lots going on today. Uh, calls are coming in, so I'm going to get to my open and then get to the calls here and find out what's on your mind. Um, a couple things. I just want to talk first off about the state of our Oh, I hate to, I'm going to call it a medical system or a sick care system. We we just shouldn't refer to it as a health care system because it doesn't really care for anybody's health whatsoever. Uh, they Our hospital system, our doctors, excellent at trauma and true emergency kind of stuff, horrible at health. Like they're the opposite of a health care system. They keep people sick. that That's really the, how the whole model works. Our agriculture system and our government's horrible nutritional advice for decades makes us sick. The medical community and big pharma keep us sick. And that's what we try to help people avoid. How do you opt out of that system? And we'll talk about that, but let's talk about how bad some of it really is we've talked about 30 percent of teens now being considered pre-diabetic that is a shocking statistic part of the problem here is is people have almost become so used to diabetes that it's almost accepted now oh yeah you've got diabetes it's not that big of a deal no it's a huge deal it will change your life in in many really bad ways And thinking about teenagers now and children under 10 having type 2 diabetes, not type 1, type 2 diabetes at this young of an age is just so scary because it's not diabetes. It's metabolic syndrome. They will have heart disease. They will have kidney disease. They will have liver disease. They will probably, honestly, if they're pre-diabetic in their teens or under 10, they're probably going to have Alzheimer's or some sort of dementia by the time they're 50 if they make it that long, really. We, we don't have any idea how bad this is going to be. We've never seen anything like this. We need to get a handle on it. I don't think we will, not in a big way, but I certainly want to help as many people as possible avoid this. We could talk about all the metabolic diseases that we have now and children getting these metabolic diseases way earlier the lifespan in the united states is actually going backwards now because of this and overdose death and several other reasons but this is a big one and it does not look like it's going to get better anytime soon you though have total control over this This is not difficult to fix whatsoever. But there's another class of drugs that we haven't talked about a lot. And we need to, I think I'm going to get with Lauren, we may do a special on this, but I'm going to go over it kind of quickly right now. Um, I was just looking up some statistics and I was absolutely shocked. Um, Mental health drugs. Let's talk about Adults on mental health drugs, first off, the numbers are just staggering. I'm, I'm shocked at how many American adults are on some sort of mental health drug. So if we go through the breakdown of what this could be, Drugs for ADHD, those are mental health drugs, antidepressants, antipsychotics, anti-anxiety drugs, and mood stabilizers. Those are all in there. Honestly, I think we should probably throw in sleep medications as well, but then the numbers really look insane. So here's one of the typical patterns we see. People are suffering from some sort of Oh, I, I don't even know what term to use. They just don't feel correct. They're anxious. They're depressed. They go back and forth from anxiety to depression. They're not sleeping well. Then it gets worse. I'm not saying that people don't have these issues. They absolutely do. I don't doubt this for a second, and it's not all in their head. Uh, the I guess it is, but it really isn't. We've always thought that, that mental health means, you know, from the neck up, but it's really in our gut. That, that's one of the issues here. But a lot of times people think that, oh, if you're on one of these medications, it's your, there's nothing really wrong with you. You're just, you know, it's all in your head. That, that kind of thing, that stigma still exists. There is clearly something wrong. These people don't feel correct. They don't feel normal. They do have all those symptoms that we associate with depression, anxiety, altered mood, those kind of things. I'm not denying that these conditions exist. They absolutely do. And they're horrendous. You know, who wants to walk around feeling like that all the time? The problem is the drugs, like almost every other issue, condition, disease, syndrome we have, the drugs aren't working. They don't work. They cause more problems, and they really don't help. And all you have to do is look at the history of these commercials on TV. Believe it or not, you can figure out this problem by watching the history of the commercials. Go back ten years ago or so, and there were lots of commercials for certain classes of these drugs—anti-anxiety, antidepressive—and you could go back fifty years. You know, in the '60s, Mother's Little Helper. Um, these drugs have been around a long time, and they're common, and they get used a lot. And again, people think, well, no big deal. They make me feel better. Well, they have horrible side effects. They're not good for our health. And why don't we question why we need these? What's broken that we have to have this? And the drugs are, are approaching this problem from the wrong way. We're trying to directly influence the neurotransmitters in the brain and we're not very good at it well if 80 percent of the neurotransmitters are created in our gut and they are by gut bacteria why are we creating drugs that work on the brain and then really don't work and then now you see there's a second class of drugs that they have to add on You know, I I wonder, do people ever question this? When you watch the commercial for the first drug, they make it sound like, just take this drug and your life will be fine. This fixes everything. Well, then you watch the next commercial and it says, if your antidepressant isn't working, here's what you need to do. You don't stop your antidepressant, you add another drug to it, which really just complicates everything and makes side effects even worse. But that's how this works. You start to take one mental health medication, and they, they, they may sometimes work in the beginning. I have a feeling much of that is the placebo effect. Then over time, they don't work very well at all. And now you have the same mental health issues you had before you started taking the drug, and you have the issues of the side effects. Now they have to bring in a second drug, and they call, oh, look, if you bring in this second drug, your mental health drugs work 68% better. Well, why? Why do I need two drugs? You told me I only needed one. Now I need two. Well, get ready because when you start taking those two, there's a pretty good chance you're going to need a third. And the third now is only to fix the side effects from the first two. And we now have a disease, I've talked about this before, that is created by the drugs. It's called tardive dyskinesia. It's created by the mental health drugs, not a virus, not a bacteria, not, not some nutritional imbalance. This condition exists because of the mental health drugs. So now we have to take a third drug so that your face and your hands and your body stops moving on its own. That's what tardive dyskinesia is. All day long, your face is contorting. You can't control your hands. And by the way, those conditions can be permanent. So, you want to think really hard before you take any drugs. Also, ask your doctor. I don't, people just don't seem to ask this question very often. How long am I going to be on this drug and how are you going to get me off of it? Start asking your doctors that. I'd love to hear people ask that question. As far as I can tell, if you have a mental health issue and you go on one antidepressant and then you go on, whatever the hell they call the boosters to make your antidepressants work right, and then you get tardive dyskinesia, and now you're on the third drug to try to control that, and it doesn't work all that well. As far as I can tell, you'll be on those drugs the rest of your life. Ask your doctor if you're on these, hey, what are we gonna do to fix this so I can get off of these? We can fix this with food and a good diet and working on gut bacteria. Happens all the time. These are not normal conditions for the human body. They're common now, but not normal. Here's what really scares me about this. Um, I went looking for numbers of children. Oh, numbers of children and adolescents taking psychiatric drugs in the U.S. Listen to this number. I was actually shocked. So if we group all psychiatric All psychiatric drugs and the age group 0 to 17 years old. 6.1 million people from 0 to 17 are taking psychiatric drugs. 6.1 million. Now, as far as I can tell, they'll be taking them the rest of their life because the doctors have no plan whatsoever on how to get you off of these drugs. They don't know why they put you on them in the first place because they're not really trained in in many of these conditions anyway. These types of drugs used to only be given by psychiatrists. Now they're just given by regular doctors all the time. Doctors have no clue half the time how these things work. Many of these drugs, we don't know how they work. We know some of them block serotonin from being um, taken back up into the the cells but they don't work well and they have horrendous side effects and you end up on two or three drugs instead of just one 6.1 million children now when you break it down it gets even worse how is this even possible it seems to me like all of these drugs are based on something you're feeling mentally it's not like blood sugar we can't measure it It's not like kidney function or liver function or heart function where we can measure it. It's not even like inflammation that we can measure. As far as I'm aware, we have no way of measuring this. We we base these drug decisions and these diagnoses on how people feel. You have to, they have to tell you how they feel. These people have to tell the doctor, I feel depressed. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't feel like getting up in the morning. I don't want to do anything. We know what those symptoms are. Well, babies from zero to one, they can't tell us any of those things. How come 85,000 babies are on some sort of psychiatric drug? Zero to one. I'm sure there's some condition out there that doctors somehow have some way of diagnosing and then they use these drugs for that. I can't imagine why 85,000 babies are on psychiatric drugs. Uh, If we break it down by the type of drugs, oh, and if we, um, all psychiatric drugs, 13 to 17 year old, obviously the biggest group, 3.1 million. If we look at ADHD drugs, ADHD, We have, I I know it's not a very big number, but I'm wondering why we have 310 babies on ADHD drugs. Um, When we get up to the, actually in this group, the six to 12 year olds are the biggest group, 1.7 million antidepressants. Believe it or not, we have almost 8,000 depressed babies. From zero to one. I don't believe I've ever seen a depressed baby. I'm sure they have some sort of criteria out there on how they pick out babies that are depressed. I'd love to hear what it is. Um, 13 to 17-year-olds, 1.6 million on antidepressants. Antipsychotics. This is Antipsychotics are kind of serious. This is where you have kind of broken from reality. So, you know, antidepressants, anti-anxiety, you'd be shocked at how many people around you are probably on those drugs and you'd never know it. Their behavior is, is somewhat normal. They're just depressed or anxious. But antipsychotics, these are the people walking around on the street talking to themselves and screaming, and they've, they've broken from reality. That's, that's what you need an antipsychotic for. Somehow we have 1,300 babies, on antipsychotic drugs, and a half a million 13 to 17-year-olds. Anti-anxiety, we have a lot of anxious babies. 60,000 babies under one are on anti-anxiety drugs. That's an insane statistic. Mood stabilizers. Mood stabilizers. 21,000 babies under one on mood stabilizers. And again, almost a half a million. um, Well, actually, yeah, about a half a million teenagers. Those are really, really scary statistics. These drugs really don't work. They cause horrendous side effects. You will end up on multiple drugs. And I can't imagine how this affects young children and babies. And I don't think we have any idea. I couldn't find any real Um, studies or research that were done very well Um, just uh, kind of a very scary statistic to me let's uh, let's take some phone calls we had a bunch of calls there they've dropped so if you want to jump in right now it looks like everything is up and running jump in and join us it's a destination health free for all We are going to get started north of the border today in Saskatchewan. Merv, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today? Doing good. What's on your mind?
1: Good, good. Hey, uh, I think you were talking about me for the last 20 minutes there. Um, But before I tell you that story, I want to ask you about what I called about, and that's uh, chlorine
0: dioxide. Have you heard of it? Yeah. What What are we considering this for?
1: Well, um, my daughter, um, after her second Pfizer shot, had uh, she's had uh, pneumonia, uh, blood clots in her lungs, pulmonary embolism. Uh, it's been going on for at least six months now. She's been back and forth to the doctor several times. And they've sent her home several times telling her she's fine. And she just went back to her doctor again seven days ago. And her doctor's response was, they should have never let you go like this. And she went home and uh, with another antibiotic, she's been on for seven days and had no improvement yet. And I've, come across this product, the Miracle Mineral Solution, I think it was called, but really what it is, is this uh, chlorine dioxide. I read up on it. It seems really convincing to me. Um, A lot of the background and the history of how it became something that people were actually using to help themselves uh, is pretty enlightening as well. it was a product that was used on fruits and vegetables uh, to wash them uh, by the by the by the people that are producing these products, and um, <clears throat> they did a study. Their own study showed that the the, the chlorine dioxide was not harmful to humans. And they debunked that study when somebody came up with the Miracle Mineral Solution and uh, started peddling it as something that could be good for you. So it's a very suspicious
0: situation. Well, well, let me go back to that last statement. What do you mean it could be good for you? Like, you found people claiming you should just take this because it actually adds to your health?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's it's. We well, um, can stop they, there. That
0: that that's bullshit. Whether or not we okay. may be able okay. to use I mean, this to treat certain conditions, we'll get to that. Yeah. But the idea that you should just take this because it adds to your health is absolutely incorrect.
1: Right, right, and I and I agree. Um, and it's. That's what I'm looking for, is what kind of conditions is it going to help? Of course, they tout it as this absolute miracle that works in seconds and everything else.
0: Well, and, look, uh, when it, it sounds like a basically,
1: question, but they do have a lot of good yeah, things to say, too.
0: Basically, this is, um, to say that it works in seconds, it's a disinfectant. Yeah. It it can kill living organisms, um, bacteria, yeast, fungi. Well, it, it works in seconds. So does bleach. I, I mean, come on. That there's nothing miraculous about this. We have hundreds or thousands of compounds that can kill all those things. But so yeah, seems, they they showed some very yeah, ahead. they
1: showed some major differences between between actual bleach and, and this product. And I believe this is what uh, Trump was uh, talking about when he started telling people that, that they should drink bleach or, you know, however the media threw that around. It, it, I'm really thinking that this is the product he was talking about then, but I never heard anything about it till just recently.
0: Even if it was what he was talking about, this isn't uh, an effective yeah. treatment against a virus. Right. It's just not. Okay. And, and again, okay. let, let's just throw this into the group that it belongs. It belongs in the group of antibacterial, biocides. I mean, there are several names depending on what kinds yeah. of organi- organisms it can kill. W- again, we have hundreds, if not thousands of compounds like this. Different strengths. Okay. They can act on different organisms. Te- uh, coconut oil is a powerful antibacterial, manuka honey, several kinds of honey, oil of oregano. I I could go on and on and on and on. And on the surface, it seems like, oh, well, if this kills this, you just take it and this goes away. That's the myth. Just because something can kill something in a Petri dish or on a surface doesn't mean it's going to work that way in our body. And if it does and it works too good, that could be a problem. We, we yeah, don't, that, and I'm, I'm well. Well, hold on. Because yeah, we, I'm sorry. Go ahead. When it comes to bacteria, viruses, pathogens, yeast, fungi, it, 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 there are some things out there that kill everything. You don't want to go there. That's the nuclear option. That that's the shotgun approach to say we don't really know what's cause what organism is causing our problem. We just want to wipe it all out. That's a really Mm -hmm. bad approach. It almost always makes things worse. So I'm not big on let's just go in with a bunch of antibacterial, antivirus, anti-everything and try to kill everything. I I would much rather do more work to figure out what organism is causing her specific problem and then find something that targets that better. Does that make sense?
1: It, it does. Yes, absolutely. And, and they like even with this product, they do specify very specific viruses that they're that it goes after. But oh, I mean, may, maybe they do. I,
0: Let me ask you they're, this. They're ha, have we do. identified yeah. that your daughter's problem is a virus no. and which virus is causing it? No, no. There's no. my point. Well, so I mean, maybe, the, and, maybe the doctor has. <laughs> and the I people know, who right? promote this kind of stuff know. never even ad- address that issue. It's entirely possible right. you take this, it has no impact on what's causing your daughter's problem, but it kills off a bunch of stuff and creates more problems for her. And it creates another problem. Absolutely, yes. This is no different than the doctor's approach of, well, we have some symptoms, we think it's this, here's a drug, try it, let's see what happens, and if it doesn't work, come back, we'll try another drug. Well, we just created a whole bunch of side effects. Our approach to everything is before we take drugs, supplement, change diets, do anything, we figure out what the root cause of the problem is, and nobody's done that yet with your daughter.
1: So what do I need to do from here? She's she's
0: like every day having more shortness of breath daily. Since Getting this since it sounds like any time we're talking about shortness of breath, we're either talking about a cardiovascular condition or a lung condition or both. There could be a combination <laughs> going on. I would recommend oh, okay a functional medicine doctor to dig and find the root cause since it's possible, since it possibly has some cardiovascular, um, basis here, I would recommend starting with Dr. Wolfson.
1: Okay, great, right. And, and I can, he takes patients in with yeah. patients.
0: Yeah. And, and he, he does <laughs> okay. telemedicine. You don't have to go see him. You can go see him. But uh, you don't have okay. to. I've had people, you know, fly down there and they said it's an awesome experience and they loved it. But you can do, you know, conference calls with them and, and get started that way. Yeah. And by the and way, be able to find he he's
1: contact info.
0: Yeah, he's up. very, very up on how COVID has created new issues around the heart and cardiovascular, how the vaccines created new issues. He's really up on all these topics. So he's a it's a great place to start. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that advice. And I think that's where we'll go. Um, I was thinking that was my next step. So, uh, so I'm going to tell you kind of a story, uh, about, uh, your opening. Um, I, 35 years ago now, I started taking the first, uh, medication for depression. Um, of course I kept that a secret for a long time. Um, aren't stories for me to tell.
0: Yeah, and I, I understand why. I mean, we, for some reason, when you know somebody's kidney isn't working right, we say, "Oh, you're sick. You need help." But if somebody's brain isn't working right, we tend to blame it on them. Right. Why? Why did we do that? Yeah. And here's why, probably. Yeah. And I said it during my open. There's nothing about these conditions that we can measure.
1: No. Yeah, it, it's it's ignorance, right? Like, it is. It's just because yeah. nobody knows anything about it. And, and uh, the only people that know anything about it are the ones that have it. Right. Uh, so, I was on Effexor, Cymbalta, Prozac, uh, Zoloft, Paxil. Uh, so, there's probably others too. So that I let, kind of forget about
0: I, I don't mean to keep interrupting you but i I, I really well, appreciate the fact that you're sharing this story because I think we need more people to talk about this so we can figure out better ways let me ask you why have you been on so many different medications and I, I know the answer, but I'd like to hear your story yeah <laughs> I know you do <laughs> um, uh, well, I guess like if you take
1: from the first time and the story has been basically exactly the same every time. And I have a lot of memories from that time um, of, you know, I'd be at work and I'm dizzy, uh, I fall asleep at my desk, I, I have trouble functioning, I get called into the office and saying, hey, what's going on with you? And, and you can't even, I couldn't even tell them what's going on, right? Because of the stigma of the whole thing right. at that time. And so then, you know, you get to a point where, yeah, maybe you're starting to feel a little better and uh, things kind of level off. Sorry. But no, that's then. Okay. Sorry, Kevin.
0: No, that's so okay.
1: Then you just start to feel dead inside. And so you try to get off. Yeah. And then those side effects all come back as you're trying to get off.
0: And and I know this is hard, but can you talk about that for just a minute? This is one of the things I want people to understand before they go on these drugs. I don't think the doctors do a very good job of warning (laughs) people. You know, the warnings are in all that paperwork that nobody ever reads because it's all garbage and it's tiny yeah. print and, you know, and, and uh, you know, doctors because of our system don't have time like they really need to spend with people. So we have time. I, I want to help people understand that I I want to, I, I remember reading something in the book by Kelly Brogan. I think it was in a mind of your own. She's got a couple books I've read. Um, mm-hmm. I remember something and it shocked me and it scared me and I don't want to scare people who have already taken these drugs, but you know, we just need to be honest about things. She claims, and she has, you know, science to back it up, that one dose of an SSRI, which is a factor affects her. Many of what you were taking were SSRIs. There's a ton of them. Um, She claims that one dose can alter your brain function and chemistry and it's permanent one dose. That's what she claims yeah. that that's scary to think. And, and I, I have to believe that one dose can't make a huge change, but the fact that it can change the way your brain functions and that could <clears throat> be permanent. That's kind of scary. Now when you're on these drugs for an extended period of time and they stop working and you have all the symptoms back, but you also now start to have side effects from this drug. And like you said, at some point you decide this just isn't worth it. I want to quit. These drugs are not easy to right. quit. I've I've read some stories that are absolutely horrendous what people go through.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I've been through that I guess process probably 6 or 8 times. Oh, I'm sorry. The last 30 years. So, and I'm trying to, now to get off them again. It,
0: and it's and not easy. A lot of so, No. Yeah. No. So you uh, know, we, we know that diet can make an improvement. Um, many times, just diet alone, especially the younger somebody is, the less they time they've been on these medications. Um, we see kids with. ADHD, all, you know, anxiety, depression, children usually respond really quickly to changing their diet. And that's something I want parents to hear. If you've already started down this road and you have a child who's on these drugs, even things like ADHD drugs, which we just think are 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 normal and we're happy. Oh, look, the doctor figured out my kid has ADHD and now he's on this drug and look, he's doing so much better. No, he's kind of zombified. Sure, his behavior in the classroom got better, but he did not get healthier. He, she, whatever. These children are not getting healthier by being put on ADHD drugs. And honestly, if you take the test to determine who has ADHD and who doesn't, almost everybody has it. Almost every human being in America today has ADHD. We all have attention deficit disorder because there's about a thousand people every day trying to get our attention. Media, social media, electronics, I I just, all of us are distracted. And if you take one of these tests, it looks like everybody has ADHD. And we, we know that not all children learn the same. Just because your child is, you know, restless in school and he's not learning and he's struggling does not mean he needs to be on a medication. We should probably change the way we teach children, not try to force children to change the way they learn
1: right exactly yeah yeah my own kids uh i have a daughter who is on adhd or on who was diagnosed with adhd on Ritalin for several years and now she's on uh, like um,
0: antidepressants and and antipsychotics right uh, right i, I well, don't I think, think that's a, 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 a coincidence i, I we've no. been You know, we were told that that Ritalin and these drugs were like miracle drugs for these kids. Look, they settle right down. They can learn. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't doubt that. Uh, Look, I've taken Ritalin. I've taken most of the drugs for ADHD. I'll admit that. I've talked about it in the past. I experiment with this kind of stuff. It wasn't prescribed to me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what it was like. You know what it's like? It's freaking amazing. It's like your brain times four. I, so if I right. take Ritalin and I get such an amazing result from it, I do, man, I can sit down, I can focus, I can write, I can blast through all kinds of projects. Um, there are a bunch of side effects to that, but it works, but it's not worth that. It's just, it, it's not, it's, it's no different in my mind than, you know, we kind of condemn athletes and bodybuilders from taking steroids. So they perform better. That's all these drugs are ADHD. these, these, right. Medications, sure, they do make you perform better. But honestly, so does cocaine. And here's something most people don't know go back to the 70s and 80s, and it wasn't Ritalin we were prescribing to these kids. We were, but there was another more popular drug for kids with ADHD in the late 70s, early 80s. It was methamphetamine. That's where it came from. Methamphetamine is not a street drug, that's a pharmaceutical, and we gave it to children. Great. Yeah. Yeah,
1: like uh, I have, I've done like research, like you've done, not near as in depth as as you've done, but trying to fix my own problems because I, you know, twenty years of dealing with the medical system that never fixed it. Then I got into that. Uh, I actually I read Wheat Belly uh, just before you started talking about that book. Wow, and that was that's almost 10 years ago, I guess now. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I started, you know, looking at my own thing. And I was, I was very happy when you started into it as well, because it, it really helped me along with it. Um, and I've read like 50 books. and, and
0: hey, Have yeah, you, have you read kind. any of the books by Kelly Brogan? Uh, I uh, a Mind of My Own is the one that's coming to mind right now. I think that was her first one. Um, and, and I would start I, there. Yeah, okay. Kelly Brogan. Okay, I'll check that
1: out.
0: Now, I'll I'll tell you that as a practitioner, she really focuses on women. And a lot more right. women suffer from this than men. I think it's because they're more... A lot, lonely complicated and all kinds of reasons, but in our society, and there's lots of reasons for it. But, but even though that's her focus, it's one of the best books I've read on this topic. I mean, you'll, you'll learn a lot about this topic and her approach and then her second book. And it's not coming to me right now. I could look it up, I guess, but if you like the first, then move on to the second, her second one, actually, if you were to read it first, you might find it to be a little extreme I mean, she's, her and her husband, who's also an amazing practitioner, um, they're kind of on the extreme side. If you think I'm anti-medicine and, and that, when you read theirs, they're, they're pretty far out there. But they've also, they're really intelligent. They're both well-educated nutrition and all these topics. So you got to put a little weight in what they're saying, no matter how extreme it might sound. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll just
1: kind of leave you with one last thing is that, you know, I, 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 believe that I have enough knowledge to fix my issue. Um, but it, it's, it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. I agree. And I like my diet is good. I'm almost completely carnivore. Excellent. Um, and I started that a few months ago. Uh, and I've, lost 35 pounds since that excellent and and everything else is is great uh but but my head is is my
0: issue right so i i like the fact that you're optimistic and you have the knowledge and you can fix this yourself because you can and i would i i love it when people take this on themselves even you know by learning and reading the books and not just saying oh okay i'll go to a you know natural practitioner you've done more than that and that's excellent let me and,
1: and i've done those things
0: too <laughs> yeah so i've done it all yeah exactly so you know what doesn't work and at some point if you keep trying things that don't work you you run into something that does and and i think you understand now this does come down to diet and lifestyle and you taking control let me throw in one more thing that i think when it comes to issues like this depression Anxiety, a combination of the two. One of the things that I've found most powerful, and I I don't know if you've addressed this or not. You could certainly use all the protocols I talk about. My stress busters that those absolutely help. There's no doubt about it. But honestly, when it comes to this, I haven't
1: done any of this.
0: Okay, and they can help a lot. But when it comes to this issue, I've found one thing that is really powerful, and the more of it you do. The better, <laughs> what's that? I know exactly what you're going to say. Okay. Meditation. No, no, actually not. Okay. Yeah, it's not meditation okay. at all. In fact, after I developed all my stress buster protocols, I actually said, I don't know that I'm going to recommend meditation much anymore. Not unless somebody's oh, okay. just, no. it, it, and there's nothing wrong with it. It it can be difficult, it can be frustrating, and I didn't get the kind of results out of trying to meditate as I got out of all the other things I worked on and developed. And in the beginning, you're right, I was telling everybody, meditate, meditate, because um, it's all I knew at the time. I, didn't, I couldn't figure out what else to tell anybody. Now I know there are more I, effective I think it
1: works for, yeah, things. I think that, that works for a lot of people. But not for me. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and look, it, it, if, yeah. if you get good at it and it can be relaxing and you'll learn some things, but th- there are far more powerful things that make changes much faster than meditation does. Uh, and like I said, I was the guy that for years, uh, if you were stressed, I was telling everybody to meditate because I didn't know what else to tell them. But when it comes to issues like this not necessarily just stress stress is a big component to what you're dealing with, but the depression, the you know, thoughts like I really just, I'm not interested in anything. Um, right. The yeah. absolute most powerful thing I've ever seen go help somebody else, go give back, go volunteer yeah. I, in yeah. any way you can think of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I do practice that. Like I, Good. I do, um, uh, uh we, we call it being selfish, um friends of mine, right? Because I'm just trying to get something from you by, you know, helping you fix your tire or whatever in the parking lot. And uh it it, it does work, and I agree. Um
0: Yeah, and, and- um, Make it formal. You know, a lot of times we kind of wander around looking for some way to help. Oh, look, they're broke down. I can help them. That's awesome. There's no doubt about it. But to make it consistent and more powerful, you know, find a food bank that needs somebody to pick some things up from stores or stock shelves after hours or or whatever. And, you know, schedule that I do this every Thursday night or Saturday morning or whatever it is. And then you kind of yeah, feel like right. you're a part of something and you're continuously giving back and it, it can be really powerful. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. i look forward to hearing back from you soon. Let's go to Ohio. Carl, welcome to the program.
2: Hi, Kevin. Yeah, this is a uh, Carl and, um, I have, uh, an interesting story and, uh, needless to say, uh, my mom was having a lot of issues and, uh, I, uh, listened to, uh, that book, uh, Salt Stick and, um, it really helped me, uh, help my mom out.
0: Good, good. Pretty crazy, isn't it?
2: Um, well, no, the crazier thing is, is, uh, they put her on a low sodium diet They put her on water pills to try to get her to lose excess water. And then they kept wondering, why is her leg swelling up? And she stopped sweating. She was no longer sweating anymore. And, you know, her kidneys started getting worse and worse. And, you know, they went all the way up to stage two. And, you know, I, I just like, I asked my mom, hey, just try putting salt back into your diet and, you know, see how you feel. And she started losing a a lot of water. She said she started going to the bathroom a lot regularly, and so it really changed it around for her.
0: Good, excellent.
2: I just think it's crazy that they, you know, didn't even think to think about the whole sodium levels. Um, I do have uh, some other questions. Um, I was reading, um, listening to the uh, Keto Clarity. And they were talking about the um, glucose neogenesis and uh, the consumption of protein. Wouldn't that keep people from getting into ketosis uh, You know, while on uh, carnivore?
0: Yeah, it's interesting that uh, you went back and picked up on this because Keto Clarity is absolutely one of the first books on the market about keto. Um, Jimmy Moore wrote it. Uh, We actually had Jimmy Moore at one of our CMCs as a speaker. He was one of the really, really early keto guys. And that was an excellent book. He wrote it with like six or seven doctors, if I remember right. I don't remember all the doctors that were in it, but it was very well written. And for a couple of years, we, so gluconeogenesis means the making of new glucose, that that's what the word means and we know that our body can create glucose from several different things if there if we don't consume any carbohydrates or glucose and our brain needs some so the body can make it because if it couldn't and we didn't consume it we would die if our brain doesn't get glucose we will die Our brain loves ketones and it can run on ketones, but it has to have some glucose. So if people were to fast because there's no food, if your body couldn't make glucose, you would die after a couple of days. And we don't. We can live for months sometimes if we have enough fat on our body fasting. And that's because our liver can make glucose. And it can make it from protein or it can make it from fat primarily it will do it from protein first so we took that piece of information and we we assumed and we were wrong that the more protein you ate the more glucose your body would produce and we would tell people that's why keto is a high fat moderate protein diet not a high fat high protein high fat moderate protein because you don't want your body turning all that protein into glucose we were wrong we were completely wrong what we missed was the fact that just because your body can make glucose out of protein doesn't mean it keeps making it just because you eat more protein your body only makes as much glucose as it needs no matter how much protein you eat so we we took some in information information And we interpreted it wrong. And it took us a while to figure out. And and we started figuring out when people were eating a lot of protein and losing weight and their blood sugar was under control. And we found out, oh, look, you can eat a high protein, moderate fat, or you could eat high protein, high fat, or you can eat high protein, low fat, and your body doesn't create a bunch of glucose it creates enough for what it needs. And if you already have some glucose or carbohydrates in your diet, then it might not turn any of the protein into into glucose. So you came to the same conclusion reading that book all of us did as practitioners. And for several years, we were all giving the wrong advice. We were telling people, be careful about your protein intake. And it turns out that You know, you can eat carnivore, which is basically pure protein, and your blood sugar drops pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, uh, what happened is uh, I was listening to the book, and I heard, you know, the whole glucose thing. And I was asking, okay, then why is it that people on carnivore diets were, you know, being, you know, getting through ketosis? So that's what jumps into my mind.
0: No, Uh, you you came to the, like I said, you came to the same conclusion we all did. We were wrong. And here's, here's something else I really hope that as the natural health community, we continue to do this. We continue to admit when we're wrong. Admit it. Fix it. Move on. Learn something new. And it, I, I don't want to go down the same path the medical community has that after 50 years and so much evidence, they still swear that fat is bad for you. When will they ever admit how wrong they were about this, how wrong they were about salt, how wrong they were about exercise? I I could go on and on and on. They never seem to admit that they were wrong. And I, I just hope as natural health practitioners, we don't ever get to that point. And so far we haven't. I can go through lots of things that we thought were correct six or seven or eight years ago when we started. And now over the years, we've changed our mind and said, no, we learned more. That was wrong. This is better. What we know is better today. We might find something better next month. And I hope we continue to be able to admit that we were wrong. We're partially wrong and, and just keep improving. Yeah. So uh,
2: that other question is, is a, what mechanics are, are, are um, actually uh, generating the uh, nitroglycerin when breathing through the nose? Because I heard that from uh, when you were talking with the uh, the gentleman about the uh, cardio miracle. So
0: you I'm mean nitric? You mean nitric oxide?
2: Yeah, yeah, nitric oxide.
0: Yeah. Um, what what causes that to happen? Yeah. Uh, All
2: I heard is, you know, breathing through your nose, you know, that deep breathing, you know, but why? I'm just, I don't understand why.
0: Well, so two gases are affected when we breathe and how we breathe. Oxygen and carbon dioxide because we breathe in oxygen we breathe out carbon dioxide so every breath we take changes the level of both of those gases so if we if we breathe very shallowly through our mouth like most americans and humans do now because we're not exercising enough we're not moving enough we're not active enough and we tend to get into a really shallow breathing pattern And whether it's through our nose or our mouth, it's too shallow and that has an impact on both of those gases. We can build up too much uh, oxygen and not enough carbon dioxide. And it turns out that you might be able to measure 99% pulse ox. That's the oxygen. We can measure it in your blood. My watch does it. My Garmin watch can measure pulse ox. And We could be at 99%, which sounds awesome. Hell, I've even seen 100%, sounds awesome. Well, it turns out that the reason it might be so high in your blood is because we can't get it into the cells where we need it. And the way we get it into our cells is by raising our carbon dioxide level. And that's what the Wim Hof breathing does. The Wim Hof breathing increases carbon dioxide. We keep thinking we wanna get all the carbon dioxide out that's not necessarily true we need a certain level of carbon dioxide that's the signal for our body to move that oxygen into the cells where it can be used now nitric oxide is downstream from both of those gases but it's impacted on both of those gases you know i've made the statement before that when we get into the mechanics like you said or you know we find out this nutrient does this and this and this and this and this and this and And if you add this nutrient then they can do this I've said it's so complicated anybody who's ever taken a biology or a physiology course and you get into the the nutrients and the chemical reactions in the human body it it becomes outrageously complicated and uh, we have to know these things somebody has to learn these things but um once we know them, I've said, look, the human body is outrageously complicated, but the owner's manual is really simple. It should just be one page. If we eat right, if we live right, all of those things take care of themselves. We don't really need to understand how they all work. Because it can get, it. it, it some of it's just too complicated for me. I can't get my head around it at all. But I I understand enough to know, basically why something works now breathing through your nose or your mouth there is a difference a lot of different things happen if you breathe through your nose um, your body has time to warm up that air it has time to filter the air it does have a different impact the interesting thing about Wim Hof and he's done you know lots of research they've studied him they've done all kinds of testing they continue to people ask this question all the time um, and I'm, go- I'm going to use a little profanity here. So if you have little ears listening, you might want to mute this for a second. Um, I'm going to say what Wim Hof says just for the impact of it. People ask him all the time, should I breathe through my nose? Should I breathe through my mouth? Should I do that? Should I do And his answer is just breathe, motherfucker, Breathe. You know, he doesn't get really technical and complicated it, it because you get the impact of his breathing method, whether you breathe through your nose or through your mouth. I tend to alternate. I, I just figure if they're slightly different and different things are happening, I'm going to do both. I'm just going to breathe. I'm not going to get too worried about it. You follow, you know, the way he tells you to breathe. But he will say, "Don't, don't get all crazy about this. Just the fact that you're, you're we're breathing deep, you're holding your breath for a while, all of those things are what's going to have the impact on this. And yes, the breathing does impact nitric oxide, but it, it's downstream, and it's because we're affecting oxygen and carbon monoxide or dioxide.
2: Okay, that, that makes sense.
0: That was pretty much it. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go this time to Illinois. Oh, hold on. I almost hit the wrong button there. Mike, welcome.
2: Hello, Kevin. How are you?
0: Doing good. What can I help you with today?
2: I got a question. I ordered a Cardio Miracle to give it a try. And I was, the one thing I did notice was... Uh, Vitamin D3 was 5 milligrams. Now I've been supplementing with the DK, um, the 5,000 drop. I've been taking two a day and maintaining about 80 at my blood test. On the blood test, is that 5? Should I stop taking that? Will that 5 be able to maintain a decent vitamin D level? Or we just got a blood test again to find out?
0: You know, vitamin D seems to be one of those things that I really just believe that we, we at least have to test once in a while so that we have an idea of what does what. Uh, and the reason being, you're right, we, we take, you know, we're taking a specific vitamin D supplement and we get a result and we get a number and then we add another supplement like Cardio Miracle and they, it's got some vitamin D in it. That can have an impact or, Mm -hmm. you know, I just recently started eating quite a bit of seafood again. Um, That could change my vitamin D intake significantly depending on what I'm eating and I'm eating some organ meats again. And, you know, really, I'm really trying to focus on nutrient density That's going to impact my vitamin D level, but I'm not sure how summer's coming up, you know, being outside has a huge impact on our vitamin D level. There are so many different factors around vitamin D that anything I tell you would just be a pure guess. What I would tell you honestly is I would you're taking two drops of the vitamin D.
3: Yeah, two drops to maintain about, eight,
2: about
0: 80 on the okay. blood test. So I'm just so, going to guess based on would, some you know past history and testing, this kind of stuff, I would drop to one drop a day. I wouldn't stop taking it completely because that's our most effective form of vitamin D. I would go to one drop, add the cardiomerical, and then test at the end of a couple months and see what it looks like.
1: Yeah, That's what I was planning. I just wasn't sure.
0: Yeah. I yeah, I don't no, think I would drop I just, uh, it completely. I, I, I think if you were to drop it completely you would end up with, with lower vitamin D levels and you're just about perfect right now.
2: Okay. All righty. Well that was it for right now. I'll look at the rest of the stuff, see what's in there exactly, but I was
1: just curious about that.
0: Yep, that, that is yeah, a thought uh, it
1: might be able to help.
0: Yep, I've uh, I've addressed that before. That is an issue. Um And we look at several things because Cardio Miracle has a lot of nutrients in it. Uh, But vitamin D is one that I just believe that the more we test, uh, the better we get at um, really understanding what impacts our vitamin D levels. I'm getting ready to, well, I say I'm getting ready to start dropping my five drops a day down to three and maybe even two Because summer and I'm out in the garden and I get plenty of vitamin D from the sun, not enough. I have figured out no matter how much time I spend out in the garden, I don't get quite enough from sunshine alone. This year I may try sunshine and several foods high in vitamin D. I would like to see if I could at least get to the point in the summertime where I don't have to take any supplementation at all around vitamin D. So that's one of my projects this summer. And when I say I'm getting ready to, because uh, it's May 18th and we haven't had any sun yet. Uh, It is raining again today. It's great for the flowers and the plants. Unfortunately, I didn't get my garden in early enough um, to take advantage of all this rain. And the other problem, it's great for flowers, but uh, vegetables need heat. And we have not been warm at all yet this year. We had one or two days. I think we might have touched 70 once. Um, 60's even been unusual. We've been kind of stuck in the 40s and 50s. Really cold, wet spring. So, uh, all right. I'm going to grab one more phone call. And then I'm going to be joined by Lauren and uh, we can get into after hours with Kevin and Lauren. I'm going to go to California this time. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with today?
3: Well, um, I have I just uh, went to the doctor and they said that I have two bulging discs, and they're putting pressure on. Um, I don't know if it's blood vessels or what, but reason I figured it out is I started getting some uh, weakness in my legs and so they did an MRI and they're going to send me to a spine specialist and uh, I don't like the idea of that. Uh, I, I know where that's probably going to lead.
0: So I was wondering, uh, you got any thoughts for me on that? Uh, I have lots of thoughts. By the way, I'm doing uh, keto. Th- yeah. Tell me about your diet specifically.
3: Uh, right now, basically, I'm eating uh, uh, just homemade, you know, stuff. Meats. Um, I'm eating yogurt every day. Um, let's see what so, else. So, uh, tell me, hold on.
0: Tell me about the quality of your meat. It's
3: just grocery store.
0: I would change that, and and you may okay. be. I, you know, we, we, I just had Bruce on the show yesterday and, you know, when I was with Bruce over the last couple of months, I got to spend a lot of time with him and I've been yeah. trying to help Bruce with some health issues for a couple of years. And, you know, we're, we're both busy and um but being with him and spending time with him, you know, I had more time to work on it. And yesterday he claimed, He didn't even do 100% of what I said, and his joint pain, which was getting really, really bad, has gone away. Um, For a lot of people, Mm -hmm. that's all it takes. You eliminate grains, a lot of this inflammation goes away, and pain and this other thing. And this bulging disc is inflammation. And for me, for some reason, just giving up grains isn't enough. I have to have most of my protein better be really high quality. It better be pastured chicken, forested pork, grass-fed and finished beef, plenty of good, clean seafood. And when I stray from that and start eating a carnivore diet where most of my, and I just went through it again, this is the second time, I was on the road, I ran out of the food I took with me, I didn't expect to be gone as long as I was, and within about two weeks of eating mostly grocery store protein, my left shoulder, which is the canary in the coal mine for me, started really hurting. And I still have not reversed it completely. After another week or two, my hips pain started coming back. And then I noticed my hands were a little stiff in the morning. So for me, just giving up grains isn't enough. I've got to make sure my protein's high quality. Same for yogurt. When you say you're eating yogurt every day, uh, is that your own yogurt or store-bought? No, it's, uh, it's store-bought. Yeah, so the quality of that dairy is probably poor. So one of the yeah. dietary changes I would have you make is to really focus on the quality of the food you're eating. Okay. And add more organ meats and more seafood. Okay. Okay. Now, that that's where I'd start nutritionally. The other advice I would give okay. you is, have you ever seen a chiropractor? No. I would absolutely find a good chiropractor. Really? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I'm a huge believer in oh, chiropractic. I, always have been. I started going to a chiropractor when okay. I was probably 13 because I threw my neck out really bad and I've gone oh. on and off since. I, I will tell you the last eight years of my life is the least amount of time I've gone to a chiropractor. I think in the last eight years, I went back to my, the chiropractor I have here in Oregon. I think I went back to him for about two weeks. I kind of messed up my back. It was, uh, it was an injury. And two weeks, he had me, you know, fixed up pretty quickly, and I haven't had a twinge or a pain anywhere in my back since. I used to go a lot for my neck, but as long as I keep my diet nice and clean and nutritious, you know, nutrient-dense, then I don't really need chiropractors much anymore unless I have an injury.
3: Okay. Um, What's strange about this is I, I don't have any pain from it at all it's just, I noticed the weakness of my legs. So I started going because I was like, it, it was going on for a couple of months. And I was like, I better get to the bottom of this because I didn't know what it was.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, so, uh, I'm glad yeah. you did. Yeah, it, it uh, you definitely want to take care of this. But I don't believe we need drugs or surgery. And that's all they have. Okay. The, the, the traditional well, medical community was has nothing else. They have drugs and surgery.
3: Yeah, they wanted to. Uh, they they first thing they before they even knew for sure what it was, they wanted to give me a cortisone shot in my spine. I was like, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, and right. then they they had two different drugs. You know, they wanted to give me, and I was like, well, until we at least at least <laughs> know what it is. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we're not gonna go there. Yeah. And I, and I knew I was already cutting out grains, so and they're like, "Well, this will get the swelling down." And I was like, I, "I need, it. yeah." So I was, I was hopeful that uh, Wednesday, you know, uh, today we I could get through and talk to you about it. Good, good. Because I was like, "That's gonna, I don't want to do anything without."
0: Yeah, I would focus on nutrient density, the quality of your food, and okay. I would find a good chiropractor and and go to a full consult with them. Okay.
3: All right. Perfect. Yeah. I went to a physical therapist and he was like, uh, you don't need to be here. You are strong. That's <laughs> uh, well, uh, nothing I can do for you.
0: Wait. Well, I'm glad he didn't try to do something if he didn't feel like he could, but how can he claim you're strong when your complaint is leg weakness?
3: Yeah. Well, what's what's weird about it is it doesn't. It's not always. They're not always weak.
0: Well, no, they're I just I, I, sometimes. I, I get that, but uh, yeah. And again, I'm glad he. I, uh, if hear he, yeah. if, he, if he doesn't know what to do, I'm glad he did nothing instead of trying to do something not understanding. But when somebody says yeah. my legs get weak, I don't care if it's all the time or every day. Why do they get weak? Let's figure that out. <laughs> Right. That's what, that's what I
3: started thinking. Uh, At first I thought maybe I just worked too hard that day, but you know, that's not me. I mean, you know, I was crouching down a lot. Yeah. uh, I was like, wow, I can't hardly stand up. I was like, that's not normal. And so that's, and I blew it off and then, you know, it started happening over and over throughout the next couple of months. And that's when I was like, okay, let's get this figured out. So yeah,
0: yeah, and and uh, I will definitely, uh, and, you know, I think Try they that. actually did a good job of diagnosing this. I think they have found the correct problem. You do have the swelling and inflammation. It's affecting the blood vessels, which is affecting the blood flow. So I think they did a good job of diagnosing and identifying. And, and our medical community actually is, is sometimes pretty good at that. Uh, many times they don't mm-hmm. get to the root cause, but they at least get us to the right place. They got us to these two discs that are bulging. So we're in the right place. Now let's figure out why they're bulging. Did you injure it? That may have occurred. But if our body is healthy and we have all the right nutrients, our body should fix that injury and then the problem should go away. And that's not happening. So now we can look nutritionally. Does your body have all the right nutrients to fix that problem? And if it doesn't, let's get at the nutrients. Then the chiropractor can look kind of physically or mechanically. Is there a problem in the spine itself that's not allowing this inflammation to go away? And that's where the chiropractor comes in to make those adjustments to get the spine back to the way it should be.
3: That's interesting. Okay.
0: Perfect that uh that sounds awesome all right so give that a shot and i'll look forward to hearing back from you and i think we're going to hear uh some good results be safe be profitable be fit and healthy always do the hard work and master the journey i'm kevin rutherford